This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson, and uh, we're talking today, uh, Monday, uh, about what Kevin Colbert had to say. And, Matt, I I thought one uh, thing that – that he talked about today, which is completely outside the norm for Kevin Colbert is actually talking about free agency acquisitions. No, oh, wow. uh, as, as, uh, as Kevin said, uh, he said, look, we got, we got more cap space going into this year. And he said, stop for him. We guess, well, that I can never remember having, uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So typically we're up against it and, you know, trying to create space and, and, you know, so, they're going to have over the next uh, three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, they'll come together as a staff, uh, the coaching staff, the scouts, uh, all the all the front office people, and they'll talk about free agency. They'll rank the guys who are going to potentially be available from other teams, and they'll rank their other, their own guys and kind of fit those all together to see how that hierarchy fits. Who, Where do their guys fit into the – into the overall equation. And then that, that helps determine, you know, who, who you're resigning out of the group, because you don't just look at this in a vacuum, some kind of board that's more like an outline, I think, than a, um, a strict path, you know, the, the things happen quick and it's not like, I know I'm picking a 20 and I only need to know 20 names because 19 are going to fall before me, you know, so they're, they, they handle it a little differently, but you're right. I mean, you judge, well, I like Godwin better than Juju, but I like Juju better than this slot guy. Or you right. know what I mean? You incorporate your own in that for sure. Yeah, and, and you also have to look at that in regard to okay, how does this how does this fit? What do we think these guys are going to get paid in terms of okay? They, they, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's going to get. Uh, we think this guy's going to get fifteen million a year. Well, we're not going to be in that shopping in that neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. You know. That's what's nice about it. I mean, you and I talk a lot of fantasy, so it's kind of like an auction draft. Like, I'll pay forty bucks out of my hundred dollars for Christian McCaffrey, but I won't pay forty-one. You know, right? Yeah, you got the cutoff. Yeah, and I know I don't have a pick at six, and then it comes around the snake, and in the middle of the second round, I'm going to have this guy. You know, so I I got X amount of dollars to spend, and the X amounts go into guards, and that's what's interesting to me. Maybe that's a conversation we should have. Is what pieces of your pie would you put where? You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, the names, and I know we have a lot of names that we want to talk about too at some point. Yeah, I, I just think that you know it, it's it's fun for fans to, to look at it. And, and Colbert said today, because look, I you know we we haven't been a, a big opening day buyer or opening sure you know buyer since I've been here because they they've never had the cap space. He says I don't expect that to change. We're not going to jump in uh, free agency. The 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 quote unquote legal tampering period starts March 14th and runs right up until uh, four o'clock on March 16th when free agency actually begins. I don't know that you're going to, to hear a bunch of announcements that, that, that the Steelers have signed these three players uh, in the opening salvo of uh, of free agency, and they're going to be this three of the top, the highest paid guys at their position. Right. Um, I mean, just because they have the money doesn't mean they're going to take that approach. Yeah. It's not going to burn a hole in their pocket. <laughs> no, it's not going to burn a hole in their pocket. And this isn't even a Steeler note. I just think it's an NFL note that 
a great number of mistakes are made in that first day or two. Oh, you know, without a doubt. Just you, looking back, there's a, such a history of, boy, that was a bad signing. They cut him two years later. That's, that's how you end up with Nate Solder as your, as your starting left tackle at $25 million or whatever. Nate Solder was making. I'm just pulling yeah. him out as a, an example. Yeah, there's a million examples. You know, like all these teams just trying to make a big splash and – uh, get the, the fan base excited, and then yeah. they're cutting them in two years. That's how the Browns win the offseason every year. Right, right. Jacksonville, <laughs> you know. Uh, doesn't necessarily add up to uh, actual wins. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that he said today, uh, he was asked about uh, how he viewed the last offseason. And I thought this in- answer was interesting. He said, did, did, did you – he was actually asked him, Stan Saverin asked him this, I believe, uh, about – did you start your rebuilding actually last year? He says, I know you don't like to use the word rebuilding, but did this actually start last year? He said, well, really at this point last year, a lot of things had happened. We knew last year's free agency class was big for them, and we had a lot of unique good players coming to the end of their contracts. And then we got hit with the reduced salary cap uh, that really pushed us up against the wall. Then Marquise Pouncey retired, and David DeCastro had his situation and decided to step aside as well. Uh, and then we got into it. We had Matt Filer and Alejandro Villanueva who were unrestricted free agents and we didn't know what their market would be. Uh, but we knew we were in a tough situation with our line. So we tried to do, uh, what we could from a free agent standpoint, which was limited until later in the game when some things fell into place with reduced contracts and different ways to restructure them and make them affordable. Um, he goes on to say that, uh, you know, if, if I had any regrets, it's probably not adding, another veteran, an affordable veteran that could have eased the growth on the offensive line. Mm, okay. uh, you know, maybe they would Sounds have. Like that's directed at Kendrick Green and more and, you know. You know, maybe instead of going out and, and, and spending, you know, $4 million on, on Melvin Ingram, maybe you go get another offensive lineman. Serviceable guy that's yeah. better than Coward or even better than Haig. You know, I mean, a guy that's played snaps you could count on a little bit, yeah. you know. Yeah. He, said, uh, he said, other than that, he, he said, uh, you know, we – we had a Hall of Fame quarterback that could still win games for us. We went into it. We were hoping to add the running game, add to the running game, which we did with Najee. And of course, uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think, will help us as a tight end even more than if in the future than he did last year. So I never go into it with a plan of a rebuild. Art's emphasis every year is that we have to compete for the championship. And I don't think that will ever change. The people who think that, well, they should have taken, uh, you know, the center from uh, Creed Humphrey, Humphrey in right, the second right. round over Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth may be a better long-term player than Creed Humphrey. Oh, he might be. Yeah, I, 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 that that argument bothers me a little bit because I love Creed Humphrey. He had a great year. He might be the best center in the league next year. I mean, uh, I'm not taking he wasn't, away from he him. He wasn't a slam dunk. Like, oh, that guy's really like, he's the best center in this in this draft. No, right. I mean, uh, I, I just think that people are unhappy that they can't have. Najee Humphrey and Fryermuth, and yeah, it doesn't work that work. way. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, folks. All right, it'd be great to have all three. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I think they've got the money to fix the offensive line this year. I think that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and, and it may be what you brought up uh, several times. You know, with the fact that he said that you know I would have liked to have brought in another veteran guy to add to that group to ease the. The, the you know the pain a little bit i i think you know they go into they still like kendrick green yeah they, they think yeah. they think kendrick green has a future in the league but you cover your butt with this and you you maybe you go sign it's not going to be uh you know one of the top center prospects in the in free agency you're not going to go pay you know 10 million dollars a year for ben jones 
Ryan Jensen uh, or Ryan uh, Jensen. But if you bring in a starter capable guy who's who also happens to play guard or, or you know, it can mm-hmm. be your can be your swing guy on game days. Again, as you said last week, I let you put it in the, well, a better version of B.J. Finney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If yeah, you bring Finney's that fine, guy in, but- he helps your line. And of course, he's active every game day. He probably starts a lot of games at one of three spots throughout his whole contract here. If he makes greens, can you know uh, transition easier? Fine. A um, couple of line free agency notes because I think you thought about it more than I did the last time we had this conversation, and I walked away from our conversation rethinking a little bit how I looked at where to allocate their resources for O line. In that, I'm still a believer that. I might get one extra guy, kind of like Colbert talked about, you know, right. and that probably is a better version of BJ Finney. You know, if they need, if they need two, I might get two and a half or I might get three, you know what I mean? But I definitely believe that one of the worst, one of the worst situations to be in and one of the worst, you know, money spent in this league is paying for free agent offensive tackles. Like, yeah, I, the more I think about it, I would pay chooks and I would draft one. You know, I think the the league has just shown us over and over draft tackles because to be in the market to sign them, you're never you're going to overpay. Everybody. You're going to overpay I mean, every he, single time. Every even time. if it's Trent Williams, I mean, yeah. every time you overpay, it's just that makes no sense. If, if they want to spend, if their big ticket item is a right guard, okay. And I'm not even talking about Brandon Schreff. I mean, if it's Connor Williams or James Daniels, I mean, they don't exactly qualify as big ticket items, but they're quality young starters coming off a first contract. That's where I'm spending free agency money is on a guard and I'm drafting a tackle in one of the top three rounds. Well, here's the difference. Okay. So the the top offensive tackle available uh, would probably be, be Trent Brown from the Patriots. Yeah. It's probably yeah, it's yeah. so his value on spot track if for a 29 year old offensive tackle who's a, basically a right tackle only. I mean, I guess he is, yeah, yeah, you could play him on the left side, but that's not ideal. But he's going to turn 29 right. soon, so they're estimating his value is at 10 and a half million dollars a year, yeah. And I'm Whereas, betting the yeah. over because oh, he'll, get the, not, he'll get 12 or 13 per year, yeah. I mean, because he's a good player who's going to get driven up because he's the best at a need where everybody needs one. Yeah. I mean, Teron Armstead is going to be the highest paid tackle, but right. he's, you know, I mean, Orlando Brown, but, yeah. I mean, but still, I mean, uh, Morgan Moses, I mean, some of these, all these guys are going to make more than they should that much. I know. Yeah. Whereas spot track estimates the market value for James Daniel, who's 24 has already has 54 career starts under his belt. Mm-hmm. His market value is estimated at seven point three million dollars per year. Right, right. And which one of them makes yeah? Which one of them makes your 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 line better? Well, in, in a vacuum, you might say, "Well, Trent Brown, you know, it makes us a better team at the tackle position. Therefore, he's a better player." But is he worth three or four million dollars a year better? That's another player. Right. Like here's the way <laughs> I look at it. Like, would you rather have Chooks, Daniel? And the better version of BJ Finney or Trent Brown. Right. Well, I went the three. Yeah. What if you could sign, for example, what if you could sign James Daniel and Ethan Posick, who's who's yeah. 
played some center, or you can sign Trent Brown. Which and one you makes tell those two yeah. you signed Green and Dotson that they're fighting for three spots. Right. And three of them actually have center experience, both guys you mentioned, you know, and a second round pick at tackle. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean you're not drafting one either, you know. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I've got, then you go into camp with, this was my original conversation. My original thought on is I kind of wanted, and I'm phrasing it better now, at least I think so. <laughs> I want to go into camp with eight or nine guys that I basically know are making the team. You know, these are yeah. NFL linemen. If I can go in with nine of them, including Joe Haig, you know, maybe he's eighth or ninth on that list in the pecking order. Cool. You know, and, and then maybe Hassenhauer's or 10 or somebody like that. Like, we're going to we're gonna put a good line here together, and one injury is not going to totally derail it, and one of them's a second-round pick or even a first-round pick. I'm going to shape this thing into an adequate to average line. Because at the end of training camp, there's nothing that says that some team that, that had two injuries at their offensive tackle position, or even guard for that matter, in camp, isn't willing to then trade you, even if it's a sixth or seventh round draft pick, for one of the guys right. that you've got hanging. You know, you've got nine NFL capable guys. You're not going to cut, you're not going to try to sneak your second round draft pick onto this practice squad. So he's going to get a hat, mm -hmm. or he's going to be, he's going to be on your 53 man roster. He's team, right. Yeah. Um, you can trade this. This is what the bills did. Uh, now maybe they traded the wrong guy because they ended up trading uh, Cleveland. Uh, uh, oh yeah. 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 They're, they're, what's his face. They're, they're right guard. Yeah. They're good player. Yeah. Wyatt yeah. Teller. Yeah. Why they ended up trading Wyatt Teller to the Browns because he wasn't going to make their roster. Mm -hmm. Cause they had yeah, a lot, they had an excess. Mm -hmm. uh, but if by chance you have too many good offensive linemen, I think that's a problem. We don't. You'll find us. You'll find somebody who'll take one <laughs> off your hands. And without you know. question, somebody will give you a fifth round pick for Joe Hay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Because they there just aren't enough of them around the league that that uh, that and nobody has depth at that Nobody's position. Depth. No. It's just it's impossible. But I am not spending free agency money on an A or B level tackle. No. I it's just am not. They're not. I'd take a chance on developing one. That well, and that's the whole reason here, you know, I mean, if you look at the group of guys who are going to be available, that's why you, I think you do kind of have to spend the money on Chooks. He's still 24. Mm -hmm. Everybody Again, else you can live with. Him. Yeah. Everybody else who's available is going to be 30 or, or older. Mm -hmm. And if you give, right. let's say, let's say you give Chooks $6 million a year, but Three -year you deal. Yeah, but you draft a guy, a second, another second round pick or a third round pick. You bring this guy in, and in a year, that guy's ready to push Chooks to the bench, and you don't want to pay six million dollars to a guy on your bench. Well, then you trade him, or you cut him, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You'll find exactly. somebody. Right. Yeah, you'll find somebody to take a twenty-five year old starting right tackle off your hands who's making you know five or six million dollars. You'll find somebody to take him off your hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think you're 100% right on that. I mean, having an extra tackle was not a bad problem. And the more and more I think about it, I think Chooks, at his age, his experience, he's also played left if he happens to end up, you know, you draft someone that goes past him and Moore's really good. Chooks would be a heck of a third tackle if need be, you know, I mean, I, and I think that's his floor. So 
that's probably worth six million a year. And he might you might look at it in two years and be like, oh, that's a bargain. He's a quality yeah. right tackle. You know, I know he's, no one wants to hear that. Like, just give me new names is what everyone's gonna say about the right. Oh, just just blow it up. You know, yeah. anybody else again. Me, meanwhile, you take a look around the league and you realize that there are 12 other teams that are in as the same situation you are or worse. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That are willing to spend because they're worried about their jobs or, you know, I mean, they, they need to, they have more cap space and they're going to throw more money around and drive the price up. That's just what all that always happens with tackles, whether you're good, bad, or not good. The ta- the, pr- the market just gets driven up like crazy. It's the yeah. biggest shortage in the league, really. It really is. Um, the drafting. As we mentioned in the previous segment uh, with, with Colbert saying that they've been in contact with Stefan to it and they're, you know, open to him coming back. He wants to come back. Uh, but you know, does it, does that take some of the, the defensive line stuff off your, off your plate? Or do you still want yeah. to add at that position? I sort of think, it, I mean, not that these guys are Reggie White and Vince Wilfork, but I think with louder milk and Adams, who I recognize is not under contract, giving you quality snaps down the stretch, that if you put a Lualu and it into that mix with those guys, I might postpone the D-line need for a year. I wouldn't balk at adding one if one drops into your lap. Sure, sure. But I don't know that it becomes the necessary. It's not, it's not as pressing a need as mm-hmm. it would have been. Right. I, I'm basic. I think that, if you bring Adams back and to it, and I guess a Lulu's still in the mix. I mean, um, we're just kind of assuming that could he be the odd man out at his age and, you know, but I'm guessing he's a stealer. I think you're now no longer in the bugs, Mondu Davis conversations anymore, which makes me happy. Like, yeah, if you're not putting those, that level of player, and I'm not assaulting those guys, you know, they, they have a role and they'd be picked up somewhere else or a practice squad or whatever. But if I'm never playing a Davis Bugs Mondu level player, and I have six or seven NFL guys, including Loudermilk, who I'm expecting to get better and better, I think that D line's pretty darn good. Yeah, you know, the more I've looked at this defensive tackle class, uh, and I know we're, we just uh, we'll, we'll do our uh, triple take on that here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But I, but I've been working on that. I don't know that this is a great defensive tackle class. There's some guys I that I, there's right. some guys that I like and guys yeah. that I would be intrigued with. I don't know if there's anybody I would take in the first round um, as a defensive tackle. I don't want to take either one of the Georgia guys in the first round. And right. I like both their games. I just think for the Steelers right now, that's not the right move. Uh, Davis plays like 20 snaps a game for Georgia and probably will do the same at the NFL level. And Wyatt who a pullback curtain, he's going to be my number one defensive tackle in a, not for the Steelers, just as a generic statement is a really good player, but I bet he would not be in my top 20 for the Steelers board. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, you know, it, you know, and then you get down to a guy like, like Jones from, from UConn again, he's a no- love him, love right. him, but he's a nose tackle that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I probably wouldn't look at before maybe, uh, he probably won't be there in the third round, but I wouldn't look for a guy who's going to play 20 snaps a game higher than the third round. Yeah. Uh, and again, 
it's we're we're hoping that this is all true, but assuming they are counting on a Lualu and to it, and I'm lumping them both together because I just we didn't see either, and there are extenuating circumstances with both players. I think a position that we don't talk about enough, like corner, would be a, above my wish list or wide receiver than D line. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, I have so many things. I, I still wouldn't turn my nose up at signing, say, like, you know, a Tim Settle or someone like that who could yeah, come yeah, in no, and, like you know, be a rotational player for you as a nose tackle. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out of my way to sign. I'm not going to go spend $7 million a year on one of these guys. No, but uh, that, that might be a great position three weeks after free agency, late March. Oh, Tim Settle's still out there. Yeah, Let's you find a guy for a year deal for yeah. three million dollars or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, you um, use them in a rotation, one year deal, maybe a two year deal, just so you don't have the problems you had last year. Just to add another body to the equation who's played in the NFL. That you're that was part mm-hmm. of the the, pro, the biggest problem for the Steelers last year is that so many of those guys were playing more than they should have. Right. That's the issue. You know, a guy, a guy not like, that any of them are terrible. Yeah. A guy like Wormley, who should have been playing 20 snaps a game, is now playing 45 to 50 snaps a game. Like, it's really easy to overlook. But to me, Wormley exceeded my preseason expectations for him last year. I thought he had a good year. Right. Does he have a good year by three, four defenses, defensive linemen that play 70% of the snaps here? Not quite, but. but Warmly outplayed where I expected of him. Yeah, you know? he, he outplayed what you expected from Chris Wormley, but that doesn't mean that you want him as your starting defensive tackle or defensive end next year. Right. I mean, they were counting on to be the four yeah. or even a five, you know. He's, he's a rotational guy that had two. to play too much. Bugs was a rotational guy that had to play too much. Even, you know, uh, you know, it just look at it, 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 it trickled down over the, for the, for the whole group. Um, and he just gets so worn out too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it just takes a toll on all defensive linemen and your offense could get you a few more first downs here and there and, you know, help their cause a little bit too. Uh, by no means am I excusing the run defense or the D line play as a whole. Yes. This past year to quote the Steelers, it was well below the bar as well below the line. There's no doubt about that for guys that weren't named Cam Hayward, but boy, I mean, if you go into the off season, which is where they're at, basically with Cam to it, the Lulu, louder milk, warmly, and I'm going to throw Adams in that mix because I don't think you're going to get in a bidding war for him if you want to keep him, and then add one more somewhere. You know, cool. You know, they usually keep sticks anyway. Right. There's se- it's kind of like the O line conversation. If you can go into camp with seven defensive linemen that you basically think are going to make the team. That's pretty darn good. I mean, the six I mentioned plus Tim Settle or a fourth round pick or whatever. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I think that's quite fine. Yeah, you can live with that, and and you know, again, you're you're creating competition, and that's how you get better. Yeah, uh, and I, and I and really that could be the difference between. It's a bad example, but um, instead of re, and instead now that you don't need one more D lineman that you have to spend six million on you get Godwin instead of Juju. It's again, that's a really bad example, <laughs> but I mean, you get one more, a tier better of somewhere else, you know, instead of bringing Hayden back, you landed, uh, you know, a, a younger version of him. That's a little more expensive, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's using the resources somewhere else you tiered up, but you're not going to be in the JC Jackson conversation. 
No, no. And then they're not going to be in the Godwin conversation either. Right. I mean, somebody brought somebody brought J.C. Jackson up to me and I'm like, you realize that J.C. Jackson is looking at making 20 plus million next year. That's what his, you know, now. I will say this, and I wrote this over the weekend on DK Pittsburgh Sports, getting back to the, the Brian Flores edition. Um, I think this makes the Steelers a more attractive destination in free agency. I think the, the addition of Brian Flores Agreed. created some, if, just from a goodwill factor. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I saw this a lot on social media from different players, either retired past players, or even some current ones talking about what a great move by the Steelers. This, you know, they, 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 they went out and saw, you know, added this guy who's obviously a talented young, uh, black coach who's suing mm-hmm. the league. I think that goes a long way. <laughs> it has to, I mean, like. It, I, I get a little pigeonholed and I just look at this, like I'm team building, blah, blah, blah. But you can't. I mean, I'm sure there's many players in the league that would love to be associated with this trio of well, yeah, black defensive coaches. Every time you know, there's any time that there's ever anytime that there's ever a uh, any kind of poll among players about what what coach would you want to play for? Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin's always in a top two or three. Mm-hmm. They just, sure, yeah, they right. just never, they just never have the money to go sign the guys. money to do it. Right. <laughs> we, it's great that you guys want to come here, but we don't have any money for you. Sorry. Yeah. You know, now they have the money and, and they've even sweetened the pot a little bit more by adding a guy like Flores to the equation. Absolutely. Here's a crazy thought that I also hesitated to bring up, but, but since we brought up Flores, he wanted Deshaun Watson and yes. I've just been asked this a million times already. I want Deshaun Watson. I mean, the, the guy I see between the lines on Sunday is, is that off the table for the Steelers or more on the table now after this hiring? I don't think it is because he's like the most difficult player to talk about in the league right now. I mean, cause none of us know the answer. Yeah. We just don't know what's going to happen. Right. But could the former head coach say to the Steelers head coach, Hey, I got a relationship with Watson and I love them and I wanted to bring him in. I think you should consider it. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think Watson's going to be a stealer folks. I mean, no, I don't, I don't think so either, but um, that, that doesn't mean some other guys that Brian Flores has had in the past. Right. He's going to have like influence. Him. Right. So the dolphin guys that get cut or whatever. Right. Yeah. Former um, Patriots. Right. So it's going to be interesting. We'll continue to watch oh, it. Super but, interesting. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take a, well, I guess we're not taking a break. We're going to wrap it up. We're finishing the show. It's over. Heck yeah, dude. It's over. Turn out the lights. You're still, you're still here. It's over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, quick, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, for my partner, Matt Williamson, I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.